morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Business Book Show. Today I've got uh, Matthew Pollard on with us to talk about, um, well, I know this sounds a little self-serving, but to talk about uh, his experience, which was uh, I got to be uh, along for the, the ride. So I was Matthew's uh, ghostwriter for uh, the book that is going to be uh, coming out from Amacom. Uh, January of, of 2018. Uh, but I, I don't want you to, to think that this interview is, is self-serving or that it's, uh, it's, it's blatant self-promotion. I wanted to, to bring Matthew on to share his experience because we got to walk the journey from, uh, from the very beginning until the, uh, you know, the, the sweet, happy ending whenever he's about to have his, his book um, come to uh, come to fruition here in just a, a few months. Uh, so who is Matthew Pollard? Well, uh, I mean, who isn't Matthew Pollard? I mean, he's he's an incredible entrepreneur. Um, he's got an amazing story. He's uh, from Australia. Had uh, some uh, built uh, five different uh, businesses uh, from from zero to a million dollars. Um, he came to uh, the United States. Uh, to, uh, to pursue some more business opportunities over here. In just a couple of, of months here, he seemed to know absolutely everybody. Um, he created, I got to, to kind of watch from the sidelines, as he took the, the Austin Small Business Festival from an idea to uh, one of the nation's, uh, let's see, Inc. named it the top five uh, entrepreneurship events in the nation. To, uh, to attend, and it went from just an idea to being that in just uh, three months. It was able to secure sponsors like GoDaddy and, and Microsoft. Um, he's just, he's, he's amazing. And his, um, his mission in, in life now is to help other entrepreneurs, small business owners, uh, creatives, uh, uh, any, anybody who has that, that fiery entrepreneur, entrepreneurial passion um, to take their ideas, to take their, their credibility, to take their expertise, and to turn it into um, something that's, that's, well, that's amazing. And, and he has a, a, an, awesome, uh, an awesome way of, of uh, in, encapsulating all of that in the phrase uh, rapid growth. So he is the rapid growth guy. He helps people go from almost nothing, um, and using some, some very smart ideas um, and approaching it from, I mean, and I know this from personal experience, from a very uh, holistic point of view, to help them go from struggling to just some incredible, incredible successes. So all of that to say, welcome to the show, Matt. Mate, I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for the unreal and heartfelt introduction, mate. I'm I'm very excited to finally be on your show. Well, it's me who has the uh, the honor, but we can uh, we can continue the the love fest. Um, <laughs> yeah, email and and text um, because we've got uh, you know what I've shared that quote with you before. I forget who said it, but they said uh, they had a a friendship that was built on on business, which is better than a business built on the on a friendship. I I totally agree, especially considering most a lot of businesses 
that are built that start from a friendship don't go too well, unfortunately. And and while I, I think that's a lot to do with the the fact that they they start off with poor messaging and and, and end up with poor sales, uh, I, I definitely feel that, that this is a, a a nice direction to go instead. Yeah, uh, it's um, well, but enough enough about uh, enough about us. Let's talk about sheep. Let's talk about your your journey. So really Matthew, I'm I'm mostly just going to give you the the floor and let you talk about your journey to go from having a having an idea uh for a for a book to now um going to see it on Barnes and Noble shelves here in in just a few months. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that one of the the interesting things about this interview and 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 Derek uh you you were very much about making this not a self-promotional interview, but but something that really just talked about the path that I followed. Because I, while while you were very much involved in that process, I still had to make a lot of the decisions, like any author, along the way. And one of the, I, I think, most important factors when people are, are going about making the decision to uh, whether they're going to go self-published or not self-published, and, and to, to have a, a proper foundation for understanding how I made these choices is to understand sort of where I came from. So you know, growing up in late high school, I had a reading speed of a sixth grade. I was horribly introverted, and I had no idea what I wanted to do in my life, and I, I kind of found my way into sales and, and, and complete happenstance. I taught myself how to sell on YouTube, and uh, next thing I knew, I was the number one salesperson in the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. I was very successful in my own businesses in Australia, and when I moved to the United States, I had this mission that I wanted to help other small businesses, and I was looking for avenues and ways to do that. Uh, one of those was I ended up creating a blog, and within the space of nine months, I became uh, an internationally award-winning blogger. And so it wasn't that I couldn't write. It was that it was painful for me to do so. Um, and, you know, to write a 1,500-word blog post could take me several days. And... I was very comfortable with the fact that for a blog post, I needed to almost be the person that they did, tell them things that people, the things that people didn't want to hear about the fact that, yes, it's great that you've got a strong functional skill, but having a strong functional skill doesn't matter. If you can't sell yourself, if you can't market yourself, you're not going to be in business very long. And my whole focus was around making sure that they, everybody understood that it wasn't their fault that they didn't pay attention to these things. But unless they did, they were never going to be able to build a business around their their family and their life. It was always going to either turn out to be a job or something that sent them back to being in a job. And that was always the focus for everything that I wrote. And that making the decision to write a book was really a decision that what I realized is so many people struggled with getting their message out there. So many people felt that they had to do this uncomfortable thing called sales, and I just didn't find it that way. And I knew that there was something in me that I needed to be able to express, and I was looking for the right way of expressing it. So for me, going through that decision, I started down the journey of of writing the book myself. And what I found was there were a couple of uh, issues there. Firstly, I didn't know whether to go self-published or publish myself, but I decided, well, why don't I just go through the process of writing the book? Now, so I started to write the book, and what I realized is while my voice worked very, very well, the way I wrote uh, was very much a persuasive article format. And while that was great for a blog post, to extend that into a 
200-page book, you can't be assertive for that long. People aren't going to listen to that kind of assertive nature for that period of time. It needed to be more conversational. It needed to be more relaxed. And while that was me in my personal life, when I had to do something like writing or public speaking, I found myself getting very, very serious. And I needed to find a different way. And, and that was about the time that, that you and I started having a dialogue, Eric, about you know, whether or not there would be an option for us to, uh, to collaborate. Now, I'm, I'm, at this stage, I can, I can do one or two things. I can talk to them. I, I can address why I made the decision to go the ghostwriting direction, or we can go into why I made the decision to go the publishing model first. Do you have a preference? Yeah, let's talk about um, let's talk about going the the publishing route because that's such a, a fundamental uh, such a fundamental d decision, and it, it changes how you approach the project. It changes a lot of the the decisions that you're going to to start making. Um, so let's yeah, let's go in that direction. No problem. So when I was making the decision on going the publisher route or, or, or the self published route. There are a lot of reasons for why you should go both. So I think the answer in which way you should go, and I was looking for the right answer for where all authors should publish their book, whether they go through a mainstream publisher or whether they self-publish. And the truth of the matter is it has nothing to do with the mainstream answer. It has everything to do with the answer that's best for you. What I mean by that, is self-published books have all this additional flexibility. You can pick the name of your book. You can pick the cover of your book. You can decide on all the words. You publish exactly what you want. You can choose whether you want a color book, a black and white book, whether you want images, whether you don't want them. Exactly how it's published, the way it's distributed, whether you want a soft cover book or a hard cover book, or whether it's just going to be an e-book, you get to make all of those decisions. And when you sell a book, wow, you get a lot more money for it. So as a self-published book, if you're, if, if you're trying to make a decision whether you should go the self-published book route, if, well, firstly, if you think you're going to make money out of a book, you should probably understand that's not the case. The focus of the book, well, it, 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 it's true. And everybody that has that mindset of, I'm going to get rich out of the book, well, we can talk about this in a second. A book is a marketing tool. And if you don't have a plan on using it as a marketing tool, and we're talking in the, the, the realm of business book authors here, but the goal of the book is to leverage yourself in a way that you couldn't do normally through podcasts, through blogs, through TV interviews, through stage presentations, and allow yourself to share some valuable content that leads to an outcome. And we can discuss that if you know, the, the requirement for an outcome in the book, uh, you know, some stage through the interview. But for me, it was if you're wanting to control every single factor, and I can tell you, I'm a little bit of a control freak myself. So. I did go the publishing route, and I'll tell you why I did that in a second, but giving up all that control was terrifying to me. That said, the, um, the self-publishing route offers the ability to profiteer off, off the book. It offers you the ability to have complete control, but it didn't, it didn't offer me the one thing that I was looking for, which was the credibility that a mainstream publisher actually published my book. Now, for me, that was kind of a big deal for a couple of different reasons. The fact that I had a New York publisher offer a book deal to a person that had a reading speed in a sixth grader in late high school, that was a huge thing for me. So from an emotional perspective, that was a big deal. The second thing was that 
we got a couple of different book offers. And I went with one of the publishers. I went with the publisher that I felt would give me the most flexibility and the most control over my book. Now, did they still want to change the name of my book? Yes, they did. We thought about it. Well, I should say we had some, some, some great discussions about it. And then they went, <laughs> we went, we went, and, and then they went my way. The subtitle, we had a choice of two words at the front, and I didn't get my way. It's give and take. And that's the problem. That's, that's the problem with going the publishing route. But what you've got to remember with the publishing, uh, the, the non-self-published route, is that you're giving up some control, but you're giving up control to some professionals. Now, in some cases, they're right because they understand the industry. In other uh, times, they're not right because they don't understand the book as well as you do. So it becomes a dialogue. It's not an us or them. You've got to bring them back to a team. Having the going the mainstream route, though, it does give you access to bookstores. It gives you access to a team of people that are actually going to place you in bookstores. Now, who's the person that's mostly still going to be promoting your book? It's going to be you. They're still expecting you to go out and chase your own endorsements. They're still going to expect you to put together all the marketing paraphernalia to make their life easier. But the advantages are mainstream publisher is credibility. So if you want to get onto a lot of stages, if you want to uh, use that as a, as, as a reason for why you're paid higher than a lot of other coaches and consultants out there, and if you want to do it just because you want somebody else to help with distribution and get you into places you normally couldn't, the mainstream publisher may be the right answer for you. If you want to have more control over the distribution and have it all on your own shoulders, then you could definitely go the self-publishing uh, route. I think there are good reasons for doing both. And I've often asked myself the question, especially after we went through the book proposal. I mean, the book proposal is a it's a nightmare of a thing. It's basically a book in itself where you provide chapters of the book, you have to provide the marketing plan, the author bios. It took us a huge amount of time to get that done and you feel the entire time that you're not being productive because the book isn't getting written. This is just the plan to the book, but it's basically like presenting a business plan to a bank. You've got to make sure that all your I's are dotted and all your T's are crossed. So going through that process is a huge endeavor. For anyone that wants to go the mainstream publishing route, remember you're not writing one book, you're actually writing two. <laughs> it's a great it's a great point because you know for a publisher and, and an agent, um they they're incurring a, a lot of, of risk. Uh, because they're they're investing their time and resources and money and and uh, salaries and, and wages into a product that they have to they have to create before they can sell before they even know really how I mean they have an idea of how well it's going to be received in, in the market because you know we do a lot of, of homework and and uh, they only try to you know, try to cheat their best judgment but. Really, it's still it's it's still quite a quite a risk, and so it uh, for them to justify taking that risk, they want to mitigate it as much as possible. And the way to do that is for them to see that the author is fully vested in in the book, that there is a viable market, that the author has a great marketing plan, that the author has a great idea for the book, the author is able to write well, the author is able to deliver. Um, on the the according to you know uh, 
project timeline that the author is willing to work with uh, with them to change the the things that they think need to be changed in order to make it as attractive to the market as, as possible. It's a big undertaking, and that's why a proposal is uh, it, it takes a lot of, of work to to do right. Well, I think one of the biggest things, Derek, is that I, I'd like to say it's a qualification process. I mean. I went through the, the process of getting my Extraordinary Talent green card recently, and I had to put reams of paperwork together to get it done. It took me, I'm going to say, 100 hours worth of actually doing activities and putting it together to allow myself to get this Extraordinary Talent green card. And I joked with my family that they weren't doing it. They weren't probably even going to read it. All they were going to do is go, did he do the work required to be allowed to stay in this country, because if he did that, he must really want to be here. And I think the same thing about pub. <laughs> I think the same thing with the publisher. The publisher is saying, "Okay, we need to prove that a they can write, because if they don't write, then they're going to get horrible reviews on the book." But the writing process is not the only thing that's required. You've got to know how to market. You've got to know. You've got to have connections that will endorse the book. You've got to have people that will help you promote. You've got to have your own list that can promote. You've got to have your own social media. There are thousands of books. I mean, I heard the statistic the other day that the average book sells around 200 copies and worse than that, 80% of them generally get bought by the author and get sent to their friends and family. Now, if you think about a mainstream publishing company, they have a high-salaried New York editor that is working with you for several months, almost a year sometimes, to help you get it together. You've got salespeople, you've got distributions, you've got printing costs, and you're like, well, why won't they just take this chance on me? Well, they're not going to take the chance on you unless they know that they can pay all those bills. They're a business too. I mean, I did a, a, a panel at Small Business Festival recently where I sat down with somebody from the Austin Business Journal, the Community Impact uh, newspaper, somebody from the, one of the head people at KLBJ Radio and, and one of the head people at, uh, sorry, the CEO of the, K, the local KSAN Radio, which is an NBC affiliate. And the summary became, for the Austin Business Journal and Community Impact, their customer was the reader. So if you didn't have a great idea that was going to be exciting for the reader, they wouldn't publish you. With KXAN and KLBJ, they said, unless you're paying us, they're our customers too, but we're happy for you to pay us for the opportunity to become newsworthy. When you're talking about a book, they need to prove that you know the marketing, that it's, it's a story worth telling, and that the writing is good. And if you can't do all of that in a book proposal, and I'm talking a lot of book proposals are 50, 70, 100 words long, sorry, 100 pages long with you know a chapter or two and a huge amount of content. Now, it is a rite of passage. I mean, we can, you know, my second uh, book proposal for my second book, which I was lucky enough to have the publisher come back to me and say, hey, we'd love to talk to you about book two and book three in the series. Would you be interested in putting together a proposal? And I responded with, well, I'm not going to put together a whole proposal for you, but I'll put together a couple of page summary on what that would look like. And they were comfortable with that. So you only really have to do it once if you do it well. But you do need to go through that rite of passage. And very similar to going to the bank, you've got to have two years worth of financials. If you don't, you instead of going to a group of angel investors, and those angel investors are going to require a really well-structured deck, financials, modeling. It, it can take just as much time to build the here's why I need the money as it takes to actually do the project itself. So 
So it's a balancing act. If you just want to get a book out there today, then go the self-publishing route. It's simple and it's easy. For me, I was earning enough money anyway. I didn't need the book to be all and end all. Not like it would have been anyway, but I wanted to make sure the distribution was there. I did it to get the next step in my credibility. So I went a different direction. But yes, it was a lot of work and people need to be mindful of how much work it actually is. And that doesn't include the writing. That's just to get through the front door. Talk about uh, exactly exactly that that that's that's just for the the proposal. Let's talk about the the book its, itself. I mean, what was surprising for, for you? What was the change from the the idea that you had, and then as you worked, uh, you know, went on this journey of, of of authoring a book? What were the the things that you wish you would have known, or the things that would have surprised you, or or you know, if you could go back and and give yourself some advice or, or any anything along those lines. What what was it like in, in real life to be a an author creating a, a, a book? Well I think that I can answer that question in a couple of different ways. The one of the, the first things was that I thought my book was not going to change. And in the time it took us to write the book, I'd gone from helping people just with their sales to talking about creating a really strong unified message that separates them from everybody else and discovering a niche of willing to buy clients. So we had to change a lot of the last chapter so that it then angled to what I now do, which it works amazingly, but it, it took thought. So I wish it, it, having a finalized plan at the start, you need to know, and I think, Derek, you summed it up better than I'm going to horribly misquote you, but in your, you talk about the fact that creativity is inherently messy and you have to be okay with that. So for me, working through and seeing half chapters and knowing that things were changing and I started to feel anxious about the fact that my business was going in a different direction while we were still writing a book of what I thought I wanted to write at the start. So all of but it all came together at the end and it was so easy to get it to come together at the end. So I think that a lot of the angst comes with not knowing the the stepping stone process on how to actually write the book. Um, so I, I think that you know, reading your book on, on how to do that, consulting with somebody that is a ghostwriter, having some coaching about how to, if you're writing it yourself, have some coaching on how to actually write the book yourself and structure the format because the way you write a blog post or the way I wrote a blog post was I start at the top and I write it through and every para, uh, paragraph is perfected before I move to the next one. That was my process. If I had have done that in a book, I would never have got past chapter two, maybe chapter three, and it would have been, it, I wouldn't have had the, the, the logical process in the stream that, that went right across the, the whole book. So I think having an understanding that things were going to change and the writing process is, is, going, to, uh, is going to be very different to how I wrote a blog, blog post or a business proposal. The second, uh, the next thing was that I actually had as many stories in me that I needed to actually write a book. I think a lot of people tend to, or and I know I would have done it, you know, I, I, and I had started down that process where my book was starting to become a persuasive article but written like a textbook where I'm teaching the strategies, which is horrible because I teach people how to step outside their functional skill and not be all in the detail but use story to be successful in their own businesses, in sales, in speaking from stage, 
in presenting, but it's funny, when you do something that's outside your comfort zone, you tend to gravitate to becoming a lecturer. And I think that one of the most important things in any book is to use story, and yet we gravitate to using matter of fact and detail and, and models. So I think that, and I think that's because we don't think we have all the stories we need to be able to get the message across. So knowing that if you can replace a functional element with a story that embeds the functional element, that is definitely an advantage. And I think the third thing for me is really starting with the end in mind. I think when I started writing the book, I wrote the book because I felt like there was a book that I wanted to write. And then as you start to get halfway through or through your process or when I was writing it myself, it's like, how am I actually, you know, how am I going to get people to want to actually reach out to me? I mean, the end in mind is what do you want to sell at the end of this? Do you want to sell an online product? Do you want to sell a coaching product? Do you want to be a paid speaker? Because if that's what you want, you need to be seeding stories of people that you've worked with or people that bought your academy or people that had you speak on stage right throughout the book because you want them by the end of it not to think, oh, wow, that book was really great, but wow, I really want Matt to come and speak or I really want Matt to work with me while one because the book is not designed to give them all the answers. As a matter of fact, no book should be tried. I think what I originally put together the book proposal, we should definitely talk about the literary agent process before we get off this interview, but my, the literary agent said, Matt, this is two books. You're trying, to, you're, you're trying to be too much to all people. You need to, to shrink it down and make it very, very simple in bite-sized chunks because the book's job is not to teach them everything they need. The book, is, 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 his job is to inspire and motivate people to want to continue to the next step of the process. I mean, you look at a rich dad, poor dad as a, as a great example. His first book was just to open you up to the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, or using his programs or buying his games. So if you don't have an end in mind, you need to really think about what that end is because remember, you're not going to make money out of the book. So if you get 200 people to read this book, you're hoping that 10 of those are going to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, buy your online service, hire you to speak, because that's going to self-perpetuate the marketing of the book, which will then get you the next set of clients. Now, the, the fourth thing that I would say is, and this is not something I had a problem with, but that's because I do this for a living. But what I find is a lot of people that reach out to me uh, and, and, and they're interested in writing a book, they'll say, oh, you, you know, I'm, I'm interested in writing a book. Do you have any suggestions? I know you're in the process of writing a book. I've been talking about this book for a long time. And I say, sure, what is, what is it that you do? And they give me these these this 10-paragraph explanation of what they do, but they also do this and they do this, and they explain it all in the nature of what their functional skill is. The biggest problem with people writing their own book is they don't first realize that their marketing is more important than the, the book that itself because if they don't have a strong unified message that separates them from everybody else, you introduce me as the rapid growth guy. That's intriguing. It makes people want to know more. Your branding is the authority architect. That allows people to go, oh, what exactly is that? Uh, you know, because it's not something. If you just said you were a ghostwriter, people know exactly what that is. If I say I'm a business coach, people know exactly what that is. I have a, a client that's a videographer who you know, just and if he just said that, he'd get no clients. But he calls himself the narrative strategist, and people are like, oh, what exactly is that? You've also got to frame it. So you need to understand what are the tip of the sword concepts you need people to understand to want to work with you, to get them to the point 
where they know enough to know why paying you what you're worth is definitely worth the money. So for anyone writing a book, they'll say, okay, I'm going to write the book and then I'm going to focus on the marketing. No, the book is the marketing. So unless you have a strong unified message that separates you from everyone else, unless you have a really detailed explanation of your packaging and of, of your product, and whether that be a service-based product or whether it be a physical widget, then you shouldn't be writing a book yet because you can't have an end in mind unless you've got your package organized. And you can't get people interested unless you have a strong unified message that attracts them to the book. What I love about, uh, about your approach, Matthew, is that there are I've, – I've read some, some books, I'm sure that you have too, where they, they are so fearful, it seems, to, to reveal anything uh, that, that is a trade secret or, or their secret sauce or how they do this or how they, they do that, whereas with, with you – you in, in in the book you have come the the other way. You give so much information, um, and even even scale down, you know, from from two books just to one book. You give so much information that that it, it explores, not explores. It it demonstrates the expertise and the experience and the insights that you have on the the topic itself. So there are some books that are that are just they're they're long infomercials and the the person is is trying to to sell but they're doing a bad job because they don't actually care about the reader. They just want somebody to buy the book so that they can uh sell them something else. And what I love about the introvert's edge is that you in teaching them what they need to know, you are subtly demonstrating that you are the expert. If they are going to work with anybody for any of this, uh, any of the things that, that you do, you're the person that they should should work with. So they read the book and they feel like that they've gotten some some real value, that they're inspired and motivated um, versus somebody who takes that to, uh, the, on the other end, who takes it to an extreme, who writes a uh, and I, I won't call uh, their name, but I'm thinking of a book in mind where it's a it's a fairly thick book, but it's really just one long self letter, and that just disappoints the reader because they've they they feel like that they should have gotten more value out of there instead of well, this is you know this is one long infomercial. Your book does that beautiful balance of of making sure that it meets your needs as a business author who has a incredibly powerful marketing tool, but also meets the expectations of the reader that they're they're um, learning from an expert who can really help them solve this particular problem. <laughs> well, Derek, I had a good ghostwriter, so it made it easy. But I think that one thing that most people miss is that they go one or the other. They go the, uh, the the position of, I need to make it an infomercial because I have to get people to buy things. Or I have to give all of my strategies, the, the structure of the strategies away in the book. The goal of a book is to excite and inspire. The goal of the book is to leave details about how they can do it themselves. But seed that you also do it for people. Because what happens is a book's job is supposed to be to qualify 
the reader. So if the reader is a DIY kind of person, he's probably going to buy, either do it himself with the strategies in the book, apply some of those strategies that he reads in the book to get an outcome, and then maybe wanting to work with you one-on-one, or he may just want to read the book to make sure you've got enough credibility to work with them one-on-one. Now, if you tell them that you have the credibility to work with them one-on-one as an infomercial within the book, they're going to say, wow, if he gave this much value, i.e. none, but sold to me when I give him $12 or $20 for the book, how much value is he going to give me when I'm giving him a couple of thousand or tens of thousands of dollars to work with him one-on-one? Probably very little. On the flip side, if you give him all the the theories, they're going to say, all right, well, I'm going to go away and I'm going to start applying all of those strategies. And then once I've finished applying those, I'm going to come back to this person. Of course, they're never going to apply all of the strategies so they never come back to you. I had a, it's very similar to public speaking. I had a, a client of mine that used to get up and speak, and he used to give away 45 minutes worth of sales training, and it was an amazing sales training session. But then no one ever bought from him because they, were, they always used to come up to him and go, look, I'm so glad you gave me all this information. I'm going to go away and apply it all. I'm going to get back. I'm, I'm going to apply it all into my business, and as soon as I start seeing the results from that, I'm going to come and work with you. On the flip side, we've all been to those events where somebody just gets up and it's a 45-minute sales pitch and we can't run out of the door fast enough. The balance is in between and the balance is story. See, what I do when I get up and speak at an event is I give three strong and powerful stories that give value, but I'm teaching them how they apply, apply my models to these specific circumstances that I use in the examples, the stories from the presentation. So by telling them stories, with inside my presentation, I'm teaching them. Most people walk out of my, uh, my speaking events going, wow, you gave so much value. I didn't actually give them that much. I just gave them enough to see that I know what I'm talking about and gave them some things to think about that start them on a trajectory of self-discovery. But the difference is people that will self-qualify. So the people that are really interested in what I'm talking about will either come to me and ask for the free thing that I suggest that everybody does, and I say, just give me a card and I'll email it to you, which is just a free template for them to do it themselves, or they'll come to me afterwards, and when I send them that email, they'll book in a phone call to speak with me, and then they'll want to work with me. But the goal of the presentation or the goal of the book is for people to pre-qualify themselves but see the value in what you do through the stories that you provide. It's, it's, it's really that simple. You've got to come to a center point compromise. I mean, this is one of the, the topics that's near and dear to, to my heart is, is how to practically um, write a, a business book. But instead of spending the, uh, another you know, two hours, which we easily could, talking about how to do that, let's, let's switch quickly to talking about um, the journey of a, of a literary agent. You wanted to talk about uh, some of the, the lessons you learned there. Definitely. So first thing that shocked me is the literary agents don't tend to have amazing websites. They don't tend to be looking for you. You actually have to be seeking them out. So the, I, I would have thought a literary agent just like any other business operated that way. But if you're going the publishing route, you need to understand that the publishing route is actually quite old school. So you, they're going to want to see your book proposal to, to even be interested in you. They tend to like introductions. So if you know somebody that already has use a literary agent, find out through them who they are 
and then ask for an introduction. Now, you'll find a lot of authors are quite guarded and protective over their literary agent because when they recommend somebody, they want them to be taken seriously. But here's the thing. If the person that you ask isn't taking you seriously enough to do an introduction, don't take it personally. Know that you probably haven't done all the work required yet. Now, I've been introduced to several literary agents, and just because your book proposal doesn't suit one, as a matter of fact, I had one publisher, uh, one literary agent, and again, I won't, uh, won't, won't mention the name, um, that literally had a visceral reaction to the concept of my book, hated the idea, thought it would never work, and did not want to work with me. Now, as you can imagine, for a guy that really was still uncomfortable about the fact that he was going to be perceived as an author because he had a reading speed of a sixth grader in my high school, I could have taken that quite personally. So expect to get rejected by literary agents because, again, they make their money only in commission when the book sells and on the advance that you receive. So they treat it like a business. So they have this... It's actually really quite difficult for them because they are in all aspects, from what I've seen, unapproachable. But they only make money when some, they accept an, um, somebody approaching them and turns it into a book deal that then ends up in a book. So the problem they have is they're overwhelmed with really bad book proposals. They're overwhelmed with people that think they have an idea. I mean, I have, in my business, I have people that come to me every week telling me they have a great business opportunity for me. They'd love to see me invest in well, of course they do, because they either want my money or they want my marketing assistance. But when I ask them to send me their deck, they generally don't have one. Or they send me this ridiculous thing that takes you two seconds to read, and it shows they had an attention span of about 15 minutes. So a literary agent's expectation is that you come with the goods, that you think through the marketing plan, that you think through the book. But that doesn't mean that every one of them is going to be excited to work with you. You really need to reach out to these literary agents with your best foot forward and expect to get said no because you don't need everybody to agree to it. You just need one. Now, introductions are helpful, but the next thing you know is they do expect cold introductions, but when they do get a cold introduction, their expectation is that you follow the process that they prescribe that you follow. Now, Derek, you, you did a load of, of, um, of my book outreach, and I think uh, Cindy, our literary agent, is actually somebody that, that you found. So I had several introductions and we, we interviewed those and, and then we interviewed uh, a, a couple of the people that came from our cold outreach and we ended up with Cindy. But, and I think Cindy's been on your podcast as well. Um, so the, the thing is that you have it again, everybody, it, it, it becomes, it's like doing business. What happens is you need to put your best foot forward and you're going to expect certain people to say no, either because your proposal wasn't good enough or your first interview didn't go well enough. Then once you get through that interview phase and they say yes, now you've got two or three people that have said yes, now you need to pick the right literary agent for you. So it becomes a please buy from me, please buy from me, please buy from me. Oh, now I'm not sure if I want to sell to you because I only have one item. Now you don't do a Dutch stuff in this process, you don't do a Dutch auction to get the most money out of it. You're looking for the best long-term partner because if you might run a second book or a third book and you want to make sure that the person has your best interest at heart, isn't just going to be working with you and a thousand other authors. So for me, it's, you know, I was chuffed that, you know, that a, a company, that a literary agent accepted to work with me. Then we had the option of choice and I then had to make the right choice for me. It was exactly the same as when we picked the publisher. At first, it's about getting offers. And then later down the track, it's about making the right choice. 
you know, Matthew, with the, uh, in in that, um, I mean, it, it really it came down for for you. It came down to to really two two choices. One of them was a, a larger house with more resources, um, probably bigger uh, bigger marketing budget, and and uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the things that come with the, the much larger houses. But you felt that you would just be just another author in, in their author's table versus uh, Amicom, which was compared to this huge house. Amicom was a little bit uh, a little bit smaller um, and, and not you know, didn't have quite the storied history. But the team there was so excited about your book. They bought into the the vision. They bought into the the potential and the possibility. They were incredible to to work with, and so you ultimately made the choice to go with um, the the publisher that was that had the that had the the approach of being a collaborative uh, a collaborative approach is the the words I'm trying to stumble over versus something uh, where you could have maybe bragged a little bit more with that particular name, but they wouldn't have been. Well, I think that one of the things that everybody listening should really focus on or understand is that when they're publishing a book, their literary agent is their agent, and the publisher is their business partner. So they're actually getting a business partner when they pick this. So when you take on a business partner, you just don't do that willy-nilly. You make a decision based on what you feel like is the best fit for you. Now, you said a lot of people pick their friends. The good news is, well, actually, no, I have friends of mine that pick friends, literary agents, and friend publishers. And again, that doesn't a lot of the time go too well. On the flip side, I made the decision to go with a literary agent that I felt was the right fit for me and then went with a publisher that perceived my idea and me as a big deal so I could be, in theory, a big fish in their small pond and use the full weight of that agency as opposed to when I called, they're like, how dare you call us? You're just a little fish. Now, I knew my brand was going to grow, and yeah, while I picked this publisher for the first book, and and I believe that I'm very loyalty-focused, so I'm probably going to stay with the same publisher, the same literary agent, for the longest period of time. That doesn't mean you are committed to your second book, your third book, and your fourth book. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go into the deal with a life, a lifelong partnership in mind because why would you want to go through all that effort twice? You spent all that time, them training you, you training them to understand what working with each other looks like and feels like. It's You don't want to go through all that again. So make the right decision for you. And yeah, it is a little bit hard because at the start, you're just after an offer, any offer. And then sometimes you'll get an offer, but it's not the right offer for you, but no other offer is there. And you've got to work out, do you say no? Do you, do you press pause? Do you buy time? Well, here is the thing. When it's our book, every minute is like a week and a half. But they're not going to give you the second thought until a week later where their calendar pops up and says, did that deal close? As a matter of fact, it might be three or four weeks. The publishing world still lives in this old school timetable. That's why it takes so long to publish a book, even though these days you can self-publish. I could, if I could write a book in a weekend, I could have enough on Amazon by next week. So take the time to interview your publisher. For me, it was about getting the deal. Once I had some offers on the table, 
I then wanted to speak to my literary agent and make sure that she asked all the tough questions so that she interviewed those people. Now, I didn't get the opportunity to speak to them, but she interviewed them hard for me and then gave me the details I needed to make the right selection for me. Also, listen to your literary agent. Know that, that, that they are on your side because they only get paid when you sell the book. So they want to make sure, yes, getting the, the advance is nice, but they really make their money off the second book and the third book and the sales of the books. So if, if you then have a bad relationship with your publisher and you only sell 200 books or you know, that makes them look bad, and they don't get paid for it. So your literary agent is really on your team. So the goal really should be to get the best literary agent possible for you and then use them, trust them to work and get the best publisher for you. But again, always move in with the idea of team. These are people that are going to be on your team for life. So go into it with that expectation of you're looking for a life partner. Matthew, I, I hate to uh to, to stop us because um I mean I feel like we've just we've just scratched the, the surface on all of the different fronts which uh which probably means that uh, that I may snag you into uh into another interview to uh to talk about um go a little bit further in depth on uh on, I mean we could spend an entire interview just on one of the these topics. But uh I appreciate you being so candid and, and honest and uh, helpful about authors who are on the front end of this. Because even for people who have been incredibly successful uh, in other areas of, of business, like you say, publishing is, is kind of a world unto itself, and it's 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 different. So thank you for uh, for sharing your your journey and the the. the Surprise, the twists and the the turns and the ups and the downs that that uh, that you experienced. Hey, you're very welcome. I mean, for me, I've always gone into everything with everything that I've got. And sometimes, when you go into something that's completely new, you make mistakes that you would never have made in your own business. And the publishing world is so different. Once you learn the rules of the game it's actually surprisingly easy. I think that's why there's so many people that have been published the first time that go back and do it many, many times. I can, it, but it's the first step. It's like the first time they landed on the moon and then after that, it almost they did it every week. It's a big task. It is definitely worth it and I'm now so glad. It's, it's funny, like even not, not even having the book published yet, it's opened so many doors. Just some of the endorsements I've got from people I didn't even know beforehand. It makes such a difference. It's totally worth doing it. And it, it's just a lot of work and you need to be ready for that. And then you need to learn the game because the sooner you learn the game of publishing, the game of literary agents, the game of being an author, then you'll master it just like you do anything else you do in your career. Yeah, that's great advice. And uh, it's a nice way to look at it, the, the game, because if you go in it, uh, like you said, there are so many times with the, the rejections or some of the feedback or especially the particular agent that uh, that you were talking about. I mean, you know, with a book, you're putting your heart and, and soul out there. So for people to, to come back and just rip it to shreds and, and you know, it feels like they're kind of, uh, you know, tearing your soul apart a, a little bit. But it's 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 a game and you've got to look at it as, you know, sometimes you win around, sometimes you... 
you lose a round, but uh, you keep winning until you learn how to master the game. That's 100% it. And, you know, when people say there's no such thing as rejection, there's only feedback, those people have obviously never been rejected. Because being rejected is painful. <laughs> right? So, True. I mean, for me, I mean, I mean, Derek, we haven't spoken about it, but the book is called The Introvert's Edge. I'm an introvert, you're an introvert. Selling, when you feel, when you get rejected, is painful. Selling, when you don't know the structure to how to make a sale, is uncomfortable. And when you're trying to put together a book, you kind of, it's, if you don't know the process of writing a book, you're trying to sell a book, but you also don't know whether you can do it, so you feel inauthentic, and that then makes the whole sales process uncomfortable, and you take rejection much harder. So the important things are that you absolutely learn the process of writing a book so you know you can deliver if you get a publisher or when you get a publisher. But then also understanding that language. It's not, oh, I've got an idea. I'm going to try it out with a few literary agents and see what happens. Because my book, I'm so happy with the book that we put together. But if I had have gone with that mindset starting out, then I probably would never have got it written. And I definitely wouldn't have got a literary agent to represent me and definitely not a publisher. Speaking of, uh, Matt, do you, you have it set up where um, for for the, the people who, and you know, anybody who is listening, um, I absolutely recommend uh, getting Matthew's book, not because um, I think it's a, it's a great book, it is, but because of the incredibly insightful, um, well, we could have a whole interview just on talking about how awesome the book is. For helping people like, uh, well, like me, who don't come from a sales background, who was uncomfortable with the idea of sales in, in general, and figuring out a way to make it to make it natural, to figure out how to actually my introversion as an edge in, in business success. So, um, Matthew, it's uh, the the book is being published uh, January of 2018, but in the meantime. Uh, don't you have uh, something already set up where people can grab uh, the first two chapters? Yeah, definitely. So you can get the first chapter of the book from theintrovertsedge.com. If you just go to, to that website, uh, there'll be a place at the top where you can put in your email address and it will then email you the first chapter of the book. And for actually, you know what, for those people listening as well, one of the other things that I think would be really beneficial for people is when I was going through the process of coming up with this book, it was I wanted to help people understand sales, right? Now, then I wanted to help people understand rapid growth, the three concepts to rapid growth. But it was coming up with the message that I'm the rapid growth guy and then picking a niche for me, which was introverted service providers. So for a lot of people, they really need to work out what the unified message is and then what their niche of willing to buy clients is before they even start writing the book, and especially if they're putting together a book proposal, because that's exactly what the publisher is looking for. So what I would suggest as well is if you go to matthewpollard.com forward slash growth, I've got a really cool five-step process that teaches you exactly, or actually runs you through the process of coming up with your unique and unified message that excites and inspires people to want to know more, and then discover your niche of willing to buy clients. And I think that would be really helpful for your audience as well. Thank you, Matthew. That's that's generous of you. Um, Matthew, uh, uh, I just wish that uh, that we had the the time to go into uh, into all of these because it's such a, a journey to to go from 
thinking about how to write a book to now having it uh well it's gonna be on Barnes and Noble's bookshelf January of twenty eighteen. It's the ups and the downs, the twists and the, the turns. It's uh it's a journey. So thank you for um for sharing just a, a slice of it with us today. Really appreciate your time. You're welcome. I've been I've been honored to have to be on your show. It's been a lot of fun. Good. We'll do it again. <laughs> 